Hey, we're Phil and Meredith, and we're the pastors here at Cornerstone Church, and we are so glad that you are here with us today. It's our prayer that this message is an inspiration to you, that it builds you up, that it stirs your faith right now in your today, as well as in the days to come. We believe that God has great things for you. God bless you. Why don't you tell somebody next to you or say it in the chat, I need a new metric. I started thinking about all of the different ways that we measure our life. Of course, time changed last night, and time is a way that we measure what we're doing and how we're doing the things that we do and when we're doing what and when we're doing this and when we're doing that, and we measure our spaces you know, in inches and in feet, and we measure how much we're pouring out of something in gallons or in ounces, and of course, here in the U.S., we refuse to be on the same measuring system as the rest of the world. But it's important to us to measure things in our life. Somehow it gives us some kind of a security. It gives us some kind of a space to go to and say, I know I'm doing at least this good if I can measure at least to this amount. But I think part of what God is teaching us and has been dis- and saying to his church and his people over this year is that the metrics that you're using are not the metrics that I have been using to measure your life. So I want us to dive into scripture today and listen and see if we can't start over the next several weeks to adjust our life to the metrics that God is speaking to us. Why don't you turn with me to Judges 7. We're going to look at the story of a guy who God wrecked his metrics. Judges 7, we jump into the story of Gideon. We'll start in verse 2. It says, And the Lord said to Gideon, The people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hand, lest Israel would boast over me, saying, My own hand had saved me. And, sorry, I lost myself. Now, therefore, proclaim to the ears of the people, saying, whoever is fearful and trembling, let him return home and hurry away from Mount Gilead. And then 22,000 of the people returned home and 10,000 remained. Oh, my goodness. And the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. Gideon has just lost more than half of the people that were with him. And the Lord has the audacity to say to him, it's still too many. There are still too many with you. And the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. Take them down to the water, and I will test them for you. There, anyone who would say to you, the one shall go. Sorry, I'm losing my spot. I'm going to do it here. Say to you, this one shall not go with you, and that one shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, Everyone who laps the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set by himself. And likewise, everyone who kneels down to drink, and the number of kneels down to drink, put them aside too. And the number of those who laughed and put their hands to the mouth was three hundred men. But all of the rest of the people knelt down to drink. The water. And the Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men who laughed, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hand and let all the others go, every man to his home. Father God, in this season, I believe you have spoken something into my heart. 
God, I believe that you are trying to speak to us about adjusting our lives to line up with the things that you measure us by. So I ask you today for your word to come forth clearly. Give us hearts to hear what you're saying. Give us ears to hear what you're saying, God. Give us lives that are ready to be adjusted to the things that you have called us to. We ask that you speak clearly in your mighty name, amen. God drew Gideon back from 32,000 fighting men to 300. It is less than 1% of the original group of people that he had. Can you imagine being Gideon and watching this group whittle down and whittle down and whittle down? But when I think about it, I wonder where in your life God is looking at that he has been pulling you back and pulling you back and pulling you back because he is trying to reset the thing that you value, the thing that you depend on, the thing that you would look to and say, if I have this many, then maybe I'm able to accomplish it. If I have this much finances, I'll be able to reach the thing that I need. If I have this many people around me, I'll be able to accomplish the thing that you've called me to. If my business is at this level or my classroom is full to this amount, perhaps I'll be able to do the thing that you have called me to, but God keeps pulling it back and pulling it back and he is trying to get it down. Can you imagine how Gideon felt? He starts off with 32,000 people. And I think after Gideon calls the people and says, we're going to go and attack the Midianites, and 32,000 able-bodied people show up, he was probably feeling all right about what he was getting ready to do. We're going to go into battle, but there's 32,000 of us. I feel like we can take what's happening. And God says, it's too many. Get up and tell them, whoever is afraid, go home. So he's probably like, okay, yeah, sure. And more than half of them turn around and say, oh, thank goodness, I've been waiting for an out. Whew, 22,000 of them stand up, turn around, and walk home. And Gideon is left with 10,000 men. And I think it probably took him a minute to catch his breath and bounce back from that, but then he probably remembered that not too long ago, the story of Deborah is in scripture, and it talks about how Deborah took 10,000 and went and conquered her enemies. And so he probably stirred himself back up and said, we've lost quite a bit here, but there's 10,000 of us left. There's still 10,000, and I can stand with 10,000, and I can fight with 10,000, just like Deborah fought with 10,000. Gideon can fight with 10,000, and he said, okay. And then God said to him, I need to shave this down just a little bit more. There's still more with you than what I need to be with you in this season. I'm going to take them down to the water, and I want you to, drink, want you to have them get some water, and depending on how they drink, I want you to split them into two groups. And I don't know if you've ever visualized this part of the story, but I imagine Gideon standing there and going, okay, if you drank this way, go stand over there. If you drank that way, go stand over there. And when he looks at the two groups, we've got 300 in one group, and we've got 9,700 in the other group, and God hasn't told him which group is which yet. And so I think if I'm Gideon, I must be already assuming certainly God's going to leave me with the larger group right? Certainly he will leave me with the 9,700. And so you're thinking, well, he shaved off a couple hundred more, but I think I'm going to be okay. And God says to Gideon, send the 9,700 home and keep the 300 to fight with. 
And there is Gideon going, you have drawn this so far back. God, I started with 32,000 in my army, and now I have 300. Tell somebody next to you, I need a new metric. Because if I'm Gideon, I'm going, God, these numbers are not working for me in this moment. And perhaps you've been looking at your life going, God, these numbers are not working for me in this moment. Because perhaps the way that you determined whether or not you were parenting well is the number of activities you were able to get your kids to in a single week. And the number of things you were able to say that they were involved in and achieving in. And all of the sudden, we started slashing the number of things that your kids were able to be involved in. And suddenly, the metric of what you had determined your parenting quality to has been whittled down and there's a new metric that you need that God is trying to communicate to you. Perhaps the way you ran your business, you had certain projections set forward to say, if I achieve this amount or if I sell that amount, that's what I had projected at the beginning of the year and that's how I determined whether or not I was a good business leader in my community and then the entire market shifted this year and it started whittling down and your projections had to change and I heard God saying over his people perhaps the number of sales that you have is not the metric that I'm using to determine whether or not you are a good business leader in your community perhaps the metric that I'm using is the way that you care for your people in crisis perhaps the metric that I'm using is the ethic that you do your business with perhaps the metric that I'm using is the way that you show up for your community not just the number of dollars that comes into you because God is resetting the metric that he is judging his people by I started hearing it in my circle. My circle is a lot of church leaders. And I started hearing this funny phrase because we measure our churches by things that we can count because we want to know how well we're doing because what we do matters to us. And, but the, the, the thing got all shifted up this year when people weren't able to come into physical buildings. And then all across the country at different levels, churches have started reopening to physical services. But people are able and willing and ready to come back into those physical services at varying and different levels and it has sent church leaders upside down because we don't know how to measure it and so when I talk in church leader groups now you want to know what they say because I've gotten on all of you about your parenting and your business running let's get on us about what we're doing church leaders say this oh what are what's your pre-covid attendance and everybody's measuring their church because we don't know where to put it right now because we don't know how many people we have on a weekend. And so we just go back to the last thing that was recognizable to us. And when church groups start talking, they, they're talking about what were your pre-COVID attendance numbers. But if you measure your right now by your previous season, I am afraid that you are not gonna be set up properly for the next season that God is taking you into. 
You need a new metric for your right now. There are too many of us saying, well, in 2019, my kids were involved in. In 2019, in my marriage, we did this. In 2019, we did this for our business. In 2019, my education looked like this, but 2019 is not here any longer, and we are not going back to what we were. If you are waiting for 2021 to be a magic reset clock and everything to turn into what it was before you are missing the point of where we are right now. God is taking us through something and he is changing us and he is transforming us and he is setting a new metric for your life. You have to stop measuring your life by the previous metric because you are missing what God is doing in your right now. And if we miss what God is doing in our right now, we will not be set up for what God is taking us to in our next season. I need a new metric for my life. And God brings Gideon to this place and he has whittled him all the way down. And I'm gonna spring the ending for you which is that Gideon overcomes with this 300. Gideon is able to do with 300 what he thought it would take him 32,000 to do because God walked him through this epic pruning process to get him to the point. And I think to see what got Gideon to this point, we have to jump back and find out where was Gideon when God encountered him. In my mind, I wish that Gideon was sitting, praying in a prayer meeting, waiting for God to show up because he believed God had something for him. It's not where Gideon was. Let's go back to Gideon. Uh, to Judges 6 and see where Gideon was. In Judges 6, starting in verse 11, is where we see uh, the, the angel of the Lord comes to Gideon to call him out. And it says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebith at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abrazite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in a wine press. Gideon was in a place designed for transformation, but he was dividing instead. We'll come back to that. Because he was hiding for the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Gideon is hiding, and the angel calls him, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all of this happened to us? And where are all of his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, did not the Lord bring us out from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. Who has ever felt that? Who has felt that in this year, looked back and said, if the Lord is with us, then what is this that I am looking at? If God is truly with us, then why is it that I'm dealing with what I'm dealing with right now? Surely the stories that I have heard may not be true for my generation because when I look around, I see economic turmoil in my generation. When I look around, I see incredible racial divide in my generation. When I look around, I see sickness on rampant in my generation. When I look around, it doesn't look to me like God is with me. Who has ever throughout this year, come on, if there's an honest people of God who are in this place, has ever 
looked around this year and said, God, have you forsaken us? Have you forgot that we're over here? Has ever sat back and maybe you love the Lord too much and maybe you're too committed and you've walked with him long enough that you said, God, I'm gonna be committed to you either way, but I just need somebody to know that there have been some moments throughout this year that I've gone, God, I'm here, but I'm not sure if you're here still. God, we're walking where you asked us to walk, but it doesn't feel like you're walking with me in this moment. And Gideon is in a place of deep discouragement. He's in a place where he has heard the stories of what God can do. He's heard how he parted a Red Sea and walked the people out through it. He's heard how Deborah raised up an army and overcame on their behalf. But he's sitting there hiding in a wine press because every time that it feels like a harvest is growing, the Midianites come and they take and they steal that harvest. And he has been so rejected by the place that he finds himself in. He has been so downtrodden by the place that he finds himself in his spirit comes so low that he's not sure that he believes that God can do the things that he said he would do for his generation Gideon's not sure that he's going to show up this time Gideon has heard what has happened but he's not sure that it can happen for his generation and part of the thing that God had to show to Gideon was I can show up for your generation but it's not going to look like what it looked like for Moses and it's not going to look like what it looked like for Deborah it's going to look like what I have for Gideon and God's going to show up for this generation, but it's not going to look like the Reformation, and it's not going to look like the Welsh Revival. He is trying to reset our metrics so that we can see that God has something for this generation. Why don't you tell somebody, I need a new metric. I need a right now metric for my life. I need a metric that speaks to me about what God is doing in this season. And the other thing that Gideon is filtering through why he has to go through this process of getting where God is taking him is in verse 15 it says, and then he said to him, please Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the weakest in my father's house. Gideon's picture of himself has become so small and so minimized. Gideon has accepted about himself or what they say about me. He has heard others say that his clan is the weakest of the clans. And he has heard others say about him that he is the weakest in his father's house. He is the least among the group of people that he's in. And instead of just hearing that and letting it move through him, Gideon has taken that to heart and he has accepted about himself what others have said about him. He has accepted what the external world has said about him over a what God has said about him word. Where is it in your life that you are accepting what they say about you over what God says about you? 
What they say about you is irrelevant, but too often what they say about us is the metric that we live our life by. Have other people said that I am capable? Have other people said that I am able? Have other people said that I'm attractive? Have other people said that my words have power? Have other people said that I'm intelligent? Have other people said that I can accomplish and that I can conquer? When I put my dream out there on social media, did did it get enough likes or enough response? Responses for me to believe that the thing that God said to me is true or am I living my life by the metric of what they said or by the metric of what God said about me? We are walking around living our lives and ruling our lives by the wrong metric because what God said about you is that it is good. What God said about you is that you were created for dominion, that you are more than a conqueror. What God said about you is that you should be fruitful. What God said about you is that you can multiply. God's words over you are prevailing and are true. That's all just in the first chapter. That's not even the whole book. In Genesis 1, God says, you are good. In Genesis 1, he says, you are created for dominion. In Genesis 1, he said, there is fruitfulness on the inside of you and multiplication on the inside of you. And there are hundreds of promises spoken over your life throughout the entire scripture but are you living your life are you measuring your life on the words that God said about you or on the words that they have said about you and are you measuring your life on where you are or on where you have been on the thing that you used to be How often do we try to look back to find our identity? Do we try to look back? It's what Gideon does. He looks back and he says, I have been this thing. So even though in right now you are calling me a mighty man of valor, that is not the metric that I have learned to live my life by. The metric I have learned to live my life by is by past accomplishments. What I identify with first is the past and the last thing that I did. Come on, we hear it all the time when you're talking to somebody and he's like, when I was in high school, I was lead quarterback. And then I took my team to states twice. And you're like, that's cool, bro. You're 42, okay? What are you doing right now? Right now, I did it. I remember a season in my life, I grew up dancing and doing competitive dance, and I remember a season in my life when I was talking to somebody, and maybe it seems like a small thing, but I said, oh yeah, I'm a dancer, and I felt God say to me, are you? You haven't danced in like seven years. You're an adult, that's not part of your life anymore, but I was identifying still with my past season and it might seem like a minimal thing, but because I was identifying with my past season and I was still holding on to who I used to be and I was still grabbing on to the thing that I used to define my life by, my hand was too close tight to open up and grab onto the thing that God was calling me into and to the person he was declaring over me now and in this season, what in your life? are you speaking about are you still identifying with are you still connecting to that you need to let go of so that you can be in this season come on recently married person you are not single anymore you need to let go of that season so that you can grab the season that he has called you into come on you are not an addict anymore you need to let go of that season and of that identity so that you can grab onto the thing that he has called you to come on you're not just a teacher anymore 
you're a parent now as well. You, what are you holding onto with all of your hand and all of your might and are you using as your metric for your right now? And God is saying over you, you are a mighty man of valor for the right now, for the season that I've called you to, for the generation that I've called you to, to release the captives, to come and declare my year of freedom to a generation, but he can't walk you into it as long as you are identifying with who you used to be. But Gideon finally starts to get it. He realizes he's not just talking to a messenger from the Lord, he's talking to the Lord himself. And while maybe he hasn't fully grasped it, he starts to recalculate. You can see him in the middle of the chapter. All of a sudden, his metric starts clicking into place because there it is in verse 18. He says, wait, please do not depart from me here until I come to you and I bring out my present before you and set it before you. And I will stay. And, and then the Lord says to him, I will stay until you return. Gideon finds himself in the middle of oppression. He finds himself in the middle of great despair. He finds himself hiding in the midst of, of the harvest season so he can hold on to the last bit of wheat that they probably have left, hoping that his family can eat off of this. He is in no condition to be giving a present, but when he recognizes this is the Lord who is speaking to me, when he recognizes God is speaking to me right now, something on the inside of him says, despite my current situation, I need to bring a gift before God. I need to give into his presence. I need to give unto the Lord. He fights that thing on the inside of him that when you are being pressed in on, when you are being attacked, says, I need to hold on to everything. I need to make my world smaller. And all of the sudden, something starts stirring in Gideon. And he says, hold on. I don't want this moment to pass without me being able to bring a present and set it before you because I have recognized that God is speaking to me in this moment. And whatever season we're in, I've created this habit that I try my best to keep that when I feel the enemy pressing in on me in certain places, I try and press back on that thing. One of the things I battle with is fear. And whenever I feel fear pressing in on me and I feel my decisions being based in fear, I can feel that thing coming and I say, I'm going to do it just because I can feel you trying to press in on me with some fear. So I'm going to try and step out and choose faith instead of fear. And this season, the enemy has tried to press in and caused us to withhold in the midst of uncertainty, caused us to withhold in the midst of, of confusion and chaos and turmoil. He has caused his people to want to shrink back and to say, I'm just going to withhold. And I promise you, if you are feeling that feeling of withholding, if you are feeling that feeling of, I just want to hold on to all of this just in case I happen to need it, now is the time for you to push back on that thing and say, I'm going to 
bring a gift into the house. I'm going to give of my finances all the more. I am going to sow into this moment. I'm going to sow a seed. I am not talking about waiting for the next time someone gets up and offers an offering. Some of you right now, the enemy has been pressing in on you over and over and over. And the thing you need to do is to get out your phone right now and say, I will not be pressed in on. I am aligning my life with the metric of heaven. And how dare you try to make me smaller? And how dare you try to cause me to withhold? I will give in the midst of it because I want to see what God can do. I want to see like what he did in a previous generation. I want to see it show up in my right here and in my right now. I want God to move. I want to see his wondrous deeds like I know that he can perform and I'm not seeing it in my moment. I'm not seeing it in my generation. And so I need to get some seed in the soil to see if his wondrous deeds can't come forth. I'm telling you there are some youth and some young adults who have been saying, God, I've heard that you can do this and I've heard that you can do that. And they told me what you did 15 years ago, but I've never seen it. I want to challenge you. You cannot live on the harvest of a previous generation. You need to get a seed. You need to get your finances and you need to start putting it in the soil and saying, God, move in this generation. I want to see your wondrous deeds. I want to see your marvelous harvest. I want you to show up for me, for right here, for right now, in the way that I've heard that you showed up. And Gideon finally got some grit about him. And he said, fine, if you've showed up before, I'm going to bring a gift into your presence and see if you won't show up for me as well. I believe he's going to show up, church. I believe he's going to show up for a fresh generation because we recognize that you're here, God, because we recognize that you're moving, because we recognize that you're speaking, and we want to hear your words, and we want to follow them, and we want to obey them. And as Gideon finally starts to kind of reset his metric, this might be my favorite part of Gideon's story. His conquest is amazing, that he would overcome the Midianite army with 300. But I think this right here is the best part of Gideon's story because it says in verse 27, it says, so Gideon took 10 men of his servants and did as the Lord had told him. But because he was too afraid of his family and of the men of the town to do it by day, he did it by night. What had the Lord told him? The Lord had told him, the first thing I want you to do is I want you to go out and I want you to tear down the false altars of Baal that have been erected in your community. God is calling some people to go out and to tear down some false altars. And maybe it's just because I love the realness of the people that are in the Bible, but I love that it doesn't say that Gideon felt full of faith and full of strength and he ran out. That's Jehu. When Jehu heard it's time for you to take it down, he was like, finally, I've been waiting for this day. And he took off. That wasn't Gideon. Gideon was afraid. It says he was afraid of his family and he was afraid of the people in his town, what they would do to him when he stepped out on the thing that he knew that he heard God say to him. What have you heard God say to you that you aren't stepping out on? 
God is speaking to his people. He is readjusting his people. And I know that in the midst of this year, he has put some dreams and some visions, some declarations, some things that he has called you to go after right down deep in your heart. But too many of us are living our life based on the metric of how I feel. The metric that we run by, the metric that we move by is how do I feel about this moment right now? But the word of God is that we need to obey his word no matter how I'm feeling. So I obey, obey him when I'm worried. I obey him when I'm full of joy. I obey him when I'm concerned. I obey him when I'm depressed. I obey him in the midst of trials. I obey him when I feel content. And I obey him when I feel pressed in on because I obey him. The metric of my life is not how do I feel right here and right now in this moment. The metric of my life is what did God say to me? Because if I trust in the character of God, I know that if he said this thing to me, then he is faithful to walk it out with me. That I know that he will protect me, that he will provide for me, that he will guard me in the midst of the situation. And it says that Gideon did it afraid. He found a way, even though his fear was great, he looked around and he said, I don't think my family is gonna like the thing that you've asked me to do, God. I don't think my town is gonna like the thing that you've asked me to do, God. But he knew and he had committed to doing what God has asked him to do. And so he found a way to do it anyway. I believe that creative solutions are coming to you in this season. That the obvious answer isn't always the path that you need to take, but that in the midst of all of your feeling, if you can center in on God, I am committed to doing this, so show me how. And it says Gideon snuck out in the middle of the night. He's still not the mighty warrior that you might picture leading an army, but he is committed to following through on what God has called him to do. And so though he was overcome with fear, he committed to doing the thing because he adjusted the metric of his life to what God was saying to him, not how he felt about the moment. And he goes out and he tears down that altar. And after he tore down the altar, just what he thought would happen, happened. If you finish reading in the chapter, it says the town turned against him and they came to take him out because they were very upset with Gideon that he had taken down the altar that they were used to worshiping at. I want you to know that when you go after the things of God, it is not always a safe place to be. That he has called you to go after and to tear down some things that mean something to somebody. He has called you to tear down some places that other people are used to worshiping at, that people have connected their lives to false ideologies, to false doctrines, to false pictures of who they're meant to be, and God is calling his people to take those things down. He has not called you to a safe life, but if you are obedient to him, it says the people of the town came against him, but Gideon's father stood up and guarded him and protected him from the people of the town who were coming against him. And you know what this tells me? It tells me that at least half of the things that you are worried about, you don't even need to be worried about. Gideon was afraid that his family and the town were going to turn against him, but the town turned against him and his family stood up for him. At least half of
of the things that you're worrying about, at least half of the things that you're concerned about, at least half of the things that you're allowing to push you back into fear and into intimidation, at least half of the false metrics that you are ruling and leading and judging your life by are illegitimate. Not only are they not going to turn against you, they're going to be the very thing that stands up for you and defends you in the place that God has called you to. If we can adjust the metric that we live our life by. You don't have to run in fear judging your life by every single false metric. Because Gideon found something in that place. He started to contend with God and God showed up and he started to see the wondrous works of God that he had cried out for, that he had wondered where they had gone. And I know that God is adjusting his people in this season. I know that he is resetting his people in this season because when we find Gideon, he is hiding out. He is threshing wheat in the middle of a wine press. A wine press was a caved out under the ground place down hidden and it was designed for pressing wine and for creating wine a threshing floor was supposed to be out up above everything because when you thresh wheat you are dividing it you are separating the useful wheat from the chaff that you don't want to be part of it and creating division when you are in a wine press a wine press is a place where transformation needs to happen where grapes are turned from grapes into juice and into wine but Gideon takes the thing of division and he puts it in the place of transformation and too many of us have tried to take division and put it in the year of transformation God is calling his people to be transformed he is calling his people to be readjusted he is calling his people to start lining ourselves up with a new kind of metric and saying the things that you used to judge your life by the things that you used to measure your life by are not the same things that I am calling you to measure your life by in this season but too many of us because we don't understand the process and the place that God has called us to have brought division into the place of transformation and so instead of saying God change me God move me God what are you doing God what are you adjusting in my life we're arguing about masks or no masks we're arguing about racial divides we're arguing about political sides of things we're arguing about whether we should be meeting together or not meeting together we are discussing and dividing and separating because we have taken the time of division into the place of transformation and God says no I am trying to make a new wine for my people in this season I am trying to pour out a fresh spirit in this season so I need you to catch a, a spirit of transformation instead of a spirit of division and he and those 300 they go and they conquer the Midianite army God actually divides them one more time he takes the 300 and then he separates them into three groups of a hundred to go out and to conquer and to surround the Midianites and they overcome and they release the oppression that had been hanging heavy on the people of Israel. 
And as we walk through this over the next few weeks, I just know that God is speaking to us, that he is calling us into a space of realigning the things that he has spoken to us, of realigning the things that we are measuring and judging our lives by. We have started measuring our life by too many of the external things. And before we go into the next year, we are going to reset ourselves and align ourselves, not with the metrics of our last season, but with the metrics of the season that God is taking us into. We are gonna set our hearts on his word. We are gonna set our hearts on what he is saying in the here and the now. We are gonna set our hearts on what it means to be transformed by the gospel. Jesus came to re set the metric. When he came, he came into a world that was aligned by the law of Moses, and he said, I have a new metric for you. I have a new plan for you. And people of God, he is walking us into a new metric. He is walking us into a new measure of what it means to be the people of God in this season. I am convinced more than anything that God is not walking us into a season that will look like anything we have seen in the church before. I'm not just talking about this church. He is transforming his church. And he's saying, I am taking you through a new season but I need you to reset what you think it means to be successful. I need you to reset what you think a win looks like before I can take you into that. And church, I want us to walk into it with openness of spirit, saying, God, speak to us. Over this next month, I believe that he is going to speak to us, and I believe that he is going to speak to you about that thing that he's been speaking to you about about launching that business. If you guys will stand with me right now. I just believe that God is dropping things in your hearts right now, all across this room, all across the feed, that God is speaking to you something that you have been waiting for, something that you have been thinking of, the thing, the dream, the business that's gonna be launched, the degree to go after, the family that you want to have, the spouse that you're looking for, the restored relationship that you've been crying out for. God is dropping that thing in your heart. And I hear him saying, I wanna pray specifically right now for marriages for marriages that have found themselves on rocky soil, for marriages that thought you were okay, but all of that time in quarantine made you have to face each other a little bit closer and you realize we're not as okay as we thought we were. And I just hear God speaking over your marriage. Part of the issue is that you are judging it by the wrong things. The metric that you are using for what makes a good marriage is not the metric that I have designed for you. I hear God saying that you are listening to too much what they said and not enough what I said. Father God, that too many of our marriages are built on a picture that we've seen on a television screen. Too many of our marriages are built on what we see in someone else's social media feed. Too many of our marriages are built on what your grandparents told you your marriage was supposed to be like or the the fulfillment that your spouse was meant to bring to you. 
but God is saying, I have a different metric for you. I have a metric of serving one another, of loving one another, of being the picture of Christ's love for his church. Right in the middle of the here and of the now. And he is beginning to adjust that metric in your life. God, I thank you that you're speaking to your people. God, I thank you that you gave me a word, God, to open the ground, but I thank you that you speak into our individual hearts, into our individual spirits, and that you are speaking to us right now. Where are the places in my life that I need a new metric, God? And I thank you that you're gonna give it to us. I thank you that you're gonna show us a picture. I thank you that you're gonna reset our hearts and our minds. Let us let go of what was so that we can run after what will be, God. I thank you that you're gracious, that you come to us and that you walk us through. God, I thank you that you draw us back to reset us so that we can run after the thing that you have given us. So I just speak over your people right now that you would give them ears to hear, that you would wake them up, God, with thoughts. I just see people writing down new metrics, God, in their life, adjusting their life to the thing that you are speaking over us. And we commit to running after you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, church. We are believing that that word will bring strength and hope into your life. Absolutely. If God just spoke to you through this message and you're stirred right now to partner with us and to sow financially into the ministry that is Cornerstone Church, I want to encourage you to jump on over to our website, which is simply cornerstone.church and click the Give button. Find the avenue that is most convenient for you today. That's right. We are going to continue spreading the message of the gospel and we look forward to continuing to connect together.